My name's Rob, and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with the belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. What would you do if you had the opportunity to pursue a new career later in life? You had spent all your life in one field or profession, but your heart yearned for something different. Would you follow your heart? Follow your passions, even if it meant going back to school? Today, in part two of a two-part series, I resume my conversation with Ian Breckenridge as he shares how he left a good-paying job in the technology industry and pursued his passion to get a degree in counseling, a degree which ultimately allowed Ian to serve others as a counselor in the unique field of equine therapy. What's holding you back from pursuing your dreams and your passions in life? Listen to my friend Ian Breckridge as he shares his inspirational story and discover for yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Real Friends. So your career path, um, how did you end up doing what you originally started doing? Uh, was it the influences of maybe a parent, teacher, a friend? Or you've kind of alluded to the fact that with your sister passing away, um, was it a life event like that that kind of thrust you into what you ended up yeah, doing out of school? Exactly. Okay. So the only... So when that happened, um, the only real marketable skill I had was jewelry making because mm. that's a class I took in college. Yeah. I knew how to make jewelry. So yeah. I got a job as a repair person called a benchman yeah. uh, with a local jeweler. And so this happened right out of college because I wasn't going to go back to school. I felt I needed to be with my parents. So I got the, that was my first job is, is working at the bench repairing jewelry. And so... I enjoy working with my hands. That's one of the things I, why I still make it. I just love working with my hands. Yeah. I built model airplanes. I woodwork, you know, I did all kinds of things early in life, but, but the point is it, because of that, it, I, I think I, I really look back and think I stayed in it way too long. You know, I was just, I, How so? well, um, it's, did it just become comfortable for you and it was easy to kind of stay in the, the rhythm? Well, the I, loved, I loved it. I loved the jewelry. Yeah. I loved the gems. I got yeah. in the real high end of the jewelry business. Like yeah. I said, I ended up as a manager at Neiman Marcus. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. You have to know what you're doing. I got. I became a registered jeweler and certified gemologist with the American Gem Society. So I had formal studies in gemology, which is like yeah. mineralogy. Um, I studied... Um, I was never good enough to make really exceptional jewelry like Tiffany or Van Cleef or Cartier, people like that. Mm. just not at that level. But I loved that stuff. So yeah. I ended up dealing in those pieces um, over time. I started my own business, jewelry business. So I was just, you know, worked at the bench, wasn't happy there, went into sales, made money, you know, had, had my eyes set, I'm going to have my own business because I think I don't need a college degree for my own business. Sure. That was the thinking back then. And back then you could yeah. get away with it. And I did that. I had a couple different jewelry businesses. I manufactured jewelry early on, just silver jewelry, just knickknacks and things. And then uh, later on, it was uh, as like a, a broker, so to speak, that I would, re people wanted to sell jewelry and, and, and I would find a buyer. So I would hook them up, take a commission and go on. I did that for years. And that led me to places that were fascinating. I mean, not enough time to talk about it today, but the stories I have working for Neiman Marcus and in the carriage, what they call the carriage trade and some of the people I met, uh, that's how I learned, you know, I don't, I've never had a lot of money, but I was around people that 
always had more money than yeah. I mean I would get invited to go like to the Caribbean oh you want to meet us down there for the weekend I yeah. didn't have that kind of money yeah um, but so it, would they just fly you down there there was a one or two occasions where that happened yeah. but it actually made me feel guilty because I didn't I couldn't do it myself there was a th thing going on so so that's a layer maybe it will resonate with people that while it looked cool and it was a neat story yeah the inside of me was feeling like I, yeah. This makes me feel guilty because you know I was married at the time, and and so it, it that took a toll on me. That's one reason I got out of that business yeah. was I I uh, while I was very good at what I did, I became one of the best. It never really produced the satisfaction or the st financial stability, um, and it's a very small business, very closed community that I just never could break into. I was an outsider and it took me probably 10 years to figure out I was never going to be able to make it in that business just because it mm. was, it was the odds are against me and it was very close. You know, if certain people didn't want you to make it. You weren't going to make it. Mm. Now, was that? Um, so let's talk about your faith life during this season of your life. Um, what was your faith walk like? Was it real and personal? Um, or was it obligatory, duty-based, or maybe non-existent, or somewhere in between? So, again, when my sister died, that was a real turning point. I got this this job, and I, the reason I say I stayed it too long, because if I knew about what I'm doing today back then, or if I, you know, but I didn't. And this this is my story, and it's the only one I have. Yep. Amen. Um, so my faith, uh, I thought I was a Christian, right? Most of my life, I went to church. Um you know, I, I thought I believed in God and, and, I, and I, um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, uh, like in college, I don't think I ever went to church after I graduated. I don't remember ever going to church after I got married. Uh, I was in church to get married and that was probably the last time. And, and so again, later on through hardship, I ended up through another circumstance that I was probably, well, I was much older, but I found myself alone again, going through a divorce. And, and um, there was a lot of just bad stuff that happened um, that I ended up moving to the East Coast and was totally alone. I mean, by myself. And so I went from, you know, say six months earlier, having the, the house with a picket fence and pets yeah. and family to sleeping on somebody's couch. And was that by choice? Uh, the, the move was by choice, but it was because I was so disoriented. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I was numb yeah. with what had happened. And I, I knew one person that invited me to come out, knew the circumstances and said, why don't you know, come out? And uh, it was in, it was, so I had a job in, waiting for me when I got there. So it was there that I discovered, I think what, faith was I like born again experience mm. you know that I was and so how old were you when this happened <clears throat> I was in my 40s anyway okay. yeah um because all the things I thought I was had carried my whole life suddenly were challenged in this this time and I and I again when you talk about born again people can laugh at me or whatever but it was an experience and it didn't happen like over a weekend. It took yeah. a long time of suffering to, to, and understand, you know, 
understanding what despond being despondent is, you know, what hopelessness is, you know, just getting to a level where it was so bleak that it was like, what do I did an inventory? What do I have in my life? You know, and I remember looking. Well, I have my computer. I have some underwear. I've got some clothes. You know, but it, what am I going to do with this? And then I realized this phrase about the mustard seed of faith. You know, mm -hmm. and, a, and I, I remember consciously thinking, I have this. It's a mustard seed. I didn't know what that meant in scripture yeah. at the time, mm. but as it grew, and I nurtured it, and that, again, people came into my life that saved my life back then, and just through their friendship. And oddly enough, those relationships are now gone, you know, hmm. just, it was a passage. And that's probably another thing I've learned in life is just things are, are transitory. They're constantly moving. Amen. Amen. Yep. So I took that and God spared me. In other words, I think I really look back and think I went through all of that stuff to get to where I am today. It's made, it's part of my story. It's made me who I am. It's yeah. probably why I'm so happy today is because I know how bad it can get. Yeah. And I see people suffering every day in the work that we do that just need that hope. And I don't talk about the mustard seed. I don't talk about God. You know, I mean, we do with some clients, but if that's what, if that's where their anchor is, because again, it's anybody who does therapy knows you got to meet people where they are. And just, you know, and today you, you, you can't, you just have to pay attention to what that person is about. And that's the other thing. So being, a, it creates this, this tragedy has created levels of empathy in me that go pretty deep. And I think it's why I can feel things, you know, and people as they travel, as they come to us and, and work with them and pass on. I also work with people of the same caliber. And that's one reason these people are important to me because there's a real kinship there in terms of they're not coming out of a world of they studied it in a textbook and that's you know people you know people have lived these different things and everybody brings their own experience so um my faith really never developed until later in life and um and i've even gone through changes then because uh like right now you and i have talked about church yep off and on yep. i don't go to church um, I'm not saying I'm proud of that. I'm not saying I'm defiantly. I'm not saying it in any shame whatsoever. I just don't. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I lean into God a lot for the work I'm doing. Um, and personally, I have to because I don't know any other way to do it. So there's a real personal, again, connection for me with my faith. I'm not talking about religion or church. I'm talking about faith. That makes me who I am because I I, I think I, I don't know that I could do the things I do or be the person I am without that piece of me that won't give up. And, I, and trust me, I am not perfect. I am far from perfect, but I don't care anymore. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, people might be shocked, but um, it's okay because I have a, my belief is then God accepts me for who I am. And so I'm doing work that I think he wants me to do. I feel called to this. I feel the director of our foundation refers to me. She appreciates my obedience. And I'm like, what is that? What is that? And so in my own mind, it was 
this calling that there's a lot of what I do is not easy and there are a lot of dynamics in play with the organization and just the whole atmosphere of therapy work and insurance companies and the world we live in today. Um, the pressures that are applied for different social aspects, I guess I could say that. But my point is that the obedience part is staying true to, I think, I believe this is what God has me doing in turn. And the way I judge that is because, as I said earlier, I'm happier, I'm healthier, you know, mentally. I don't know how much longer I'm going to live, you know. I mean, yeah. um, and I had a mini stroke in 2012, I think, or something. Anyway, point is, it, it really knocked me out. I still was I managed to stay in school uh, because of the timing when it happened. But my point is... It incapacitated me, and that's the first time in my life I've been incapacitated. It was frightening because I couldn't do anything. It was helpless. And mostly it was in my vision, but my point is one day I was I was mucking a stall. I had a horse at the time, and I was out with her, and it was really kind of my first trip out since I had this thing. And I was mucking the stall, and I just started crying. And this overwhelming sense of joy that I was able to muck this stall. I was able to scoop horse poop and put it in a bucket. I was so grateful. <laughs> I'm back, you know. And so moments like that tell even me there's an appreciation for life, you know, and make the most of it. And I try to convey that to people. Not everybody appreciates that story, yeah. <laughs> but I do. So is there a, a moment where you feel like your faith life, your faith walk became your own. It became personal. It became real. A moment? It, yeah. No, I think it's like what happened to me out east was it was it's been a transition yeah. Yeah. process. And I think a lot of it happened in my move from out here to Wentzville yeah. from from Brentwood area. Um I grew up in that whole part of town my whole life, but this really changed and it was unexpected for me. The people I've met, the, the lifestyle I'm living now, I think having lived long enough as a single person and lived long enough period to have a life to look back at and able to make choices for myself without, as you know, being a single, that I don't have considerations for other things. My dog Gabriel, maybe <laughs> the cactus gets along yeah. pretty well. Yeah. I can leave town in a few weeks, and it really just seems. The cactus is looking pretty good. The cactus looks like it's been getting some love. So yeah, it does. It just yeah, it does. It's thriving, and uh, but um, I lost my train of thought. But um, well, and kind of what I was thinking about is you and I both know having been. Um, Christ followers for a while. A lot of times people talk about this lightning bolt moment where it's an instantaneous moment where they say that's where they've accepted Christ as their Savior. And then for other people, it can just be this slow. There is no one defining moment, but they can say like in hindsight, looking back in their life, that yes, it happened and they are truly a Christ follower. Yeah, and I believe that happens to people. I know people who who had experiences like that, and yeah. then, you know, I don't doubt it, but it's not what happened to me. Yeah. I mean, I've. I think it's good for people to hear that, right? Yeah. What? Just that it doesn't have to be this like. No, because for me, I mean, occasionally he'll tap me on the shoulder, like when I had the stroke or the mini stroke, yeah. the TIA. 
to me, that was a tap on the shoulder, and I ended up with a much deeper appreciation for living at yeah. this particular point in my life, and I needed it to continue yeah. on to get to where I was going. Yeah. And I've taken a very crooked line to get straight to where I am today. Yeah. And so that's all, I think. Uh, so I'm going to pause for a second, because okay. I remembered something. That, you know, people who know me are going to start laughing, because I'm going to go down this <laughs> rabbit hole. Um but over the course of my work, I've developed these ionisms. I call them ionisms. Yeah, good, I like it. Yeah. So Share are, a few ionisms. With so me. these are things I've come up with on my own. Other people may have thought about them. They yeah. might even be in a book somewhere. And yeah. I swear I didn't do this on purpose, but yeah. I thought of it myself. Yeah. So it's not to say that someone else didn't before me. But my number one ionism is people are most often disappointed by their own expectations. And I don't care what it is. If it's simple, I expected that person to say thank you. And if they don't, or your child doesn't do what you're expecting it to do, or work's not going, you're the one that put these expectations out there. Yeah. And so, and that's not to say people didn't lie to you, you know, and set your expectation incorrectly. That doesn't count either. What you really, I think, have to do is close your eyes and listen to life. It'd be like being in the woods. Close your eyes and you hear the birds, the wind. That's reality. That's what's going on. Yeah. So metaphorically, you translate that to your own life. And how do you listen to life and, and minimize these expectations? You know, So that's where I get to a place where I don't have very many, not because I'm apathetic or don't care. It's because that's one of the things that gets me up in the morning is I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I have a plan, sort of, or at least options. And... Uh, they can be interrupted at a moment's notice. And again, back to the work we do, this has made me very fluid. And this is where, again, I have an appreciation for, particularly for the person I work with, that um, there's a synergy there that through working together, it becomes like jazz or impromptu comedy or, you know, you have to think on your feet because things are so fluid and to have a partnership. And then there's the horse. It's, I, I could tell you stories that I haven't made up, but you won't believe me. You know, things Try that happen. Um, it's hard to do because some of them, like all the horses have personalities, mm -hmm. you know. And so um, we've seen horse, certain horses respond specifically in certain ways to people that are very uncharacteristic for that horse. And unless you work with them, you, you don't understand that. So we had one horse um, that... The client, uh, it wasn't a particularly good therapy horse because it was sort of independent. And we like them to interact more because they need to connect with people. So this one was a little bit resistant, and that's why we used it. Um, because it made people work harder to get a connection. Some people have never experienced a connection. So when it happens, they are surprised. What am I feeling? What is this feeling? Well, it's um, the beginning of attachment. So anyway, so this horse made people work for it. Well, the one day we have a client walk in. We always send them out, go mingle with the horse for a little bit before we get started. And that's part of the safety thing so they can get yeah. used to each other. But it's also part of the therapy session started. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. It's kind of a set point. Next thing we know... The horse lays down and goes to sleep. Hmm. Wow. Not, not once, not twice, <laughs> but four or five times. 
<laughs> in different sessions. So we just look at each other because, I mean, my equine specialist is her job to pick the right horse. And we're looking at it, it's like, you know, yeah. and even she's like, I have no idea, you know. So there are other other examples, but that one comes to mind. Yeah. It's, you know, something yeah. you just can't make it up. Yeah, good. Um, so let's transition now and let's talk about relationships. Um, so there's some, you and I have some common ties in that we've both been married several times. So any sort of common thread or insight that you'd like to offer regarding marriage, divorce, or relationships in general? God, I didn't see this one coming either. <laughs> so <laughs> I would, you know, I mean, I think early on I was doing what I thought I had to do. do I thought you're know, making decisions, you know, bad decisions based on stupid thinking. <clears throat> I mean, it wasn't, I was a bad person yeah. and circumstances did play into it. And I'm not blaming my parents or my sister's death or whatever, mm -hmm. but I did become untethered. I didn't have much guidance. You know, there was a lot of, you know, grief and bad, you know, depression and just, so, um, so I think, I've had to actually had this conversation with younger people about, and we, we work with couples in the work that we do. And I love working with the couples for this very reason, because the work that we do with them in our workshops, and we have a can, there's like four, three or four sessions in a canned workshop. And in that workshop, there's a lot of stuff that comes out in relationally, because I don't call it a marriage workshop. It's a it's a it's a it's a couples workshop. Sure. Yep. All you need to be there is a relationship. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to be married. You just need to have a relationship with someone. To me, they're very very different things. Yeah. So there's person A, person B, and then there's the relationship. That's another living entity within those people, and to have a good relationship, if you turn this so that they most people don't think of it that the relationship is a real thing. To me, it's almost like believing in God, to be honest with you. It's, it's an entity. It's a, it's a thing. It has its own energy, its own life. And depending on how those people treat that relationship, which has to do with how they treat each other, how they feel about themselves, you know, how they, their character, just everything about it, um, affects that relationship. And so, just because you're not getting along or whatever doesn't doesn't spell the end. But but if you can figure out what you know, become aware of of who you are and what's how this is impacting the relationship. So can I give you a quick example? Sure, please do. So one time we had a family that came in, and kids were out of control, parents out of control, stopped the whole thing. I said we need to work with you, the couple, yeah, before any of this can have, get fixed. And so through the course of the work um, and working with one of them, um, we have this exercise we call the round pen. So it's a, it's typically it's used all the time with horses and horsemanship. You put a horse in a circular pen and you work it, make it run in circles and partly to wear energy off, partially to connect with it, let it know who's boss kind of thing. That's the horsemanship piece. We use the same exercise to show people how their communication with the horse 
because almost a hundred percent of the behavior we see with the horses people are doing in real life. Mm. So yeah. If, yeah, it's just the way it works. And so we put this person in the ring. Well, this person has, was so amped up. Their energy was so high. We used one of our more sensitive horses and this horse nearly jumped out of the round pen. I mean, it was rearing back. It just, cause he, he was, his energy was so intense. It, you know, we couldn't, so we pulled the horse out and for the first time in his life, he was able to see that, oh my God, this is the way my kids act. This is the way my <laughs> wife acts. I'm like, yeah, that's why you're here. Right. You know, and so through experiencing this himself, he experienced himself. We didn't yeah. sit in the room and talk about it. Yeah. You know, pontificate on what he does and what he doesn't do. It made very short work of his desire. How do I fix, you know, how do I... So he worked on his energy and yeah. what he had to do to fix that to where he was able to work with this animal in a way where they, there was mutual trust, there was a respect, and he was able to get the things, the responses he needed from the horse. He was asking the horse for yeah. what he needed. So, yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what does it look like to develop new healthy friendships during this season of life. What sort of challenges do you think you face compared to say back in earlier stages and seasons in life? Mm, good question. But, um, I don't, uh, I'm open to relationship. And so going through the course of a day, like some clients you're you really like them, you know, they're, but professionally, you can't have that relationship. You can be the therapist or the friend, but not both. So excluding that and then the people I work with, you know, developing a professional uh, relationship and um, personal relationships that develop that are meaningful. But they're far fewer to, than they were in the past. And I'm yeah, right. quite sure it's because of age. And I don't get out much. Like I said, I go from my house to the barn, do the work, pretty much come home or okay, go out to dinner. Yeah. Um, meet with you, you know, other people yeah. I have dinner with, coffee with, whatever, and do it on my own terms, you know, when I feel like it. But uh, I admittedly get into a routine where I'm just tired at the end of the week and I'm not, you know, weekends are spent to um, recoup and re-energize and take care of, like, grocery shopping and laundry. And Yeah. Would you consider getting married again during the season of life? Yeah, I would. Um, yes, but I mean, um, oh, you know, so since I think 2007 is when I got divorced. So all of a sudden I wake up one day, that's a long time, you know, and I've had ample opportunity. I've been around the, I've had plenty of opportunities to yep. engage, but I always, I look back and attributed it to just, I was fed up with it. You know, I wasn't good at it apparently and it was too hurtful and too costly and um but over time i realized that's not necessarily true you know and so um because i still am around people that energize me that i really truly enjoy that i have a connection with um and it's it's fun that's part of why i get up in the morning is i have these people in my life that care for me i care for them and it's dynamic we all go through cycles of good mood, bad mood, you know, uh, the organization's dynamic, the work is dynamic. 
So, but it would be nice. I mean, I don't mind coming home to my empty house, which is not so empty with a 90 pound dog, <laughs> right? which is still a puppy. Hard to imagine. Um, and that I'm thinking more about what you said about him, about relation, but yeah, he's, he's, he's good for me. Yeah. Um, in a, in a lot of ways, he's making me be more aware of his needs because yeah. Yeah. I can't just do what I want when I want. I have to take care of him. He lets me know when I don't, but getting back to that question, um, I'm not going to be raising a family, you know, per se, right. I'm not going to have, um, so you, you, so you, why would somebody during this season of life, why would they get married? Well, I think there's an internal desire. I, I think God's hardwired us for intimate relationships. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. I think that can be a controversial stand, but I happen to share that with you. We've yeah. talked about this before. I am very hardwired for it, but yeah. through my multiple marriages, through the mistakes, the grief, the tragedies that I've had, I am who I am today because of all those things. And this is what I try to tell people, have them accept their life as it is, you know, and some of it's horrific what people have been through. Yeah. I'm not saying forget it. You know, we try to teach them how to management, manage the emotion, give them a little bit of hope. Yeah. But you, but this has made you who you are. And there's a lot to be thankful for in your life. So, but I'm definitely hardwired for that. And, um, I know it when I meet people that I connect with. There are just not that many out there. Yeah. You know, when you really get down to it. And I said, part of that's being authentic. Part of that's, um, you know, part of that's friendship. Part of that is attraction. Part of that's different. You know, there's different yeah, elements. Right. You know, yeah. but, and I don't, I'm not nearly as needy as I was or confused as I was when I was younger. In other words, you know, everybody else is getting married. I need to get married. Everybody's right. having babies. I need babies, you know. Everybody has these great jobs. I don't. <laughs> and so I joke about it, but that's basically true. I just, I'm comfortable with who I am, yeah. but I, I probably shouldn't be, but I am. And I, I say that tongue in cheek because this didn't happen overnight either. You know, I panicked when I was on my own again. And, you know, to this day, I still eat out most of, most of the time, you know? So, and even that's, at first, I couldn't bear to go out by myself and eat dinner in a nice restaurant because I always had somebody with me. Yeah, yeah. And I felt creepy or just like... Like everybody was looking at you. Yeah. Thought, Here's the, the lonely single guy eating by himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But say, I don't even think twice about it. You know, I'm happy to go places by myself. I'm happy to be able to do things by myself. But I also love sharing my life, yeah. you know, sharing these things. Would you be willing to risk what you have right now as a single person? Because I think it takes a while to kind of get into a rhythm as a single person where you have like these rich friendships. You kind of know who you are. You know what God's called you to do. Would you be willing to risk all that to get into a serious relationship that points towards marriage? Well, the answer is yes, because um, it's like when I got this dog. Mm -hmm. I had a friend look at me and say, you don't seem very excited. I said, well, that's because I know what I'm in for. Sleepless nights, poop on the floor, yeah. you know, just, and I just didn't expect him to get this big. Yeah. Well, actually I did. I've yeah. never had a big dog. And so it's the same with marriage, you know, having, I know 
what's involved and I know better, I'm not going to get involved with somebody I can't be authentic with yeah. or that I don't yeah, genuinely care for. Yeah. Because when I care for somebody, I, my world's totally different. You know, there's a desire to, to have quality time, desire yeah. for access service, you know, more for that person than anyone else. Yeah. And so I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, sure it does. You yep, know, absolutely. But, but so the answer to your question, yeah, but those are, is kind of conditional, you know, and I don't feel like I'd be given anything up. I look at it as. You know, I, I know what happens, you know, in integrating another person in the relationship. But, you know, that person is going to have to be a lot like me, you know, sort of okay with their life the way it is. Enjoy yeah. the what, what we would have together, but also able to do their own thing. And I don't mean be independent. Maybe that's what I mean. But um, their own interests, be their own person, you know. But there has to be some common ground, yeah. you know, about like faith is a big one for me. Yep. You know, it's just... I don't care if you go to church or not, but I just, I, you, you got to have a heart for God yep. if Amen. I'm going to be close to you. Amen. Yep. You yep. know, agreed. And yet, like I said, I am <clears throat> far from perfect. It would be shocking if people, you know, just, but you look at scripture and I was encouraged because I thought, well, there's a lot of people in here like I me. <laughs> yeah. Nobody in scripture is perfect. So no, right, that's far that's from it. Hope, that was, hope yeah. that was one of the best things that came out of seminary. I had yeah. to read the whole Bible twice, you know, and, take tests on it and so how I got there you know was in itself God moving me that they're the only ones that would take me and I wanted to go to get a counseling degree and a master's in counseling and you have to take all the same classes in seminary you would at Wash U or wherever else to pass yeah. the same test and yeah. so I achieved all that and I I have never it was a rare moment in my life where I felt a sense of such accomplishment that no one could take away from me the yeah. night I drove to graduation because that same day, earlier in the afternoon at four o'clock, I, I graduated from the equine piece. I got my sort of ah, my last class, ah, my last yeah. certification, and I went in the tack room, changed clothes, and drove to graduation for Covenant yeah. that yeah. evening. And yeah. my, my daughter was there, and my grandkids were there. And yeah. Yeah. That Very was really cool. cool. Yeah. That Very was an cool. awesome moment. Yeah. Okay, so what I'd like to do now is revisit today in your current season of life um, what's most important to you. In 2022, what are you most grateful for these days? It could be family, friends, God, career, health, peace of mind. What's most important to you in 2022? Well, I think having all those things is important. I mean, yeah. it's, it's you know, I didn't used to, and this is a season of my life where things have kind of come together. And I don't know how long it's going to last because of my past. You know, I'm used to the other shoe dropping at some point and things change. But I also have learned that making good decisions one upon the other over a period of time changes how your life looks, you know, how your life is. If you make stupid decisions, you can expect to do have problems, you know. And I, yep. Amen. And so... And stupid decisions is a relative term, you know, and I think that can be following someone else's advice or your own. I mean, you know, it's a very tricky business, but um, I think it's, you know, being thoughtful, critical thinking is important, you know, things like that. So the so most important thing to me is I just want to keep going, you know, and um, look for ways to get more out of what I'm doing, you know, look for other opportunities, you know, to, to do what I do in terms of just... Um, good yeah yep um, 
So what do you think are the biggest challenges that you face in life today? Again, it could be health, could be relationships, retirement, could be spiritual, um, could be maybe sensing a purpose in life. Uh, well, certainly age plays into it. I mean, I'm 68, you know, and so recognizing one's mortality, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, oh, I don't absolutely. have, you know, yeah, I don't have right. a 40 year career ahead of me. And, um, and like we talked about marriage, you know, I think it would be grand at this season to have a partner, but will it happen? I don't know. Um, and if it doesn't, then it doesn't, you know, I mean, uh, so, um, I think that, uh, the challenge is just keeping things in perspective. And I think lip, continuing to live in the moment, keep focused and, uh, and by focused, I mean, just living in the moment, you know, taking it a day at a time and see where it leads me. Um, I'm enjoying having less responsibility, having to make less decisions. You know, I mean, I could stop all this tomorrow if I want to, and it won't change my financial picture, you know, really all that much. I mean, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I can't add much more to that. You decide to leave the technology world yeah. and go towards a, a counseling world. What What is it that you think prompted you to go that direction? Well, I think uh, I was at a point in my life where I'd just gone through another divorce, you know, and I was just pulling myself back together. And I'm not talking about a weekend. This took years. Of, yeah. And so I met, I said I had a counselor earlier that encouraged me because I said, I always wanted to be a counselor in psychology, going back to what I wanted to do out of high school. He goes, well, why don't you do it? And I thought, well, I'm 50, you know, 58 years old. Yeah. Who does that? He goes, well, what's stopping you? And once I thought about it, it's like, I have the time, the money. I'm like, okay. So I did. And the rest is history. Yeah. You know? So, um, and you're happy with the decision, right? It's worked well for me. Yeah. I mean, I made a lot of decisions that didn't work out very well for me, but I think over time I learned my lesson, you know, in terms of being discerning and making decisions. That was a big, and I think, you know, I ha I'm not with someone now for a reason, you know, maybe that I've, all of those relationships prepared me to go through what I went through to get to where I am. That's yeah. what I believe. Yeah. So I don't have it. I can't say I even have regrets. I look back, I used to, but I look back now and I wish I would have known some of this sooner. Yeah. It would have made a difference, but that's not what happened. And that's what I talked about in Ionism number one, you know, your own expectations. That, oh, if I'd have done this, that, no, that's not what happened. What yeah. happened is exactly what happened. And now you have to deal with it. So it's possible, the hope is that it's possible at any point in your life to do whatever you want to do. And that's an awesome story. That's an awesome hope to have, if that really is true. And so part of your story, I think, is a testimony to that. Like if at the age 58, you can decide to do like a career course change, then end up doing something that not only fulfills you and rewards you, but is also helping people and giving them a sense of hope. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good story. Well, thanks. Yeah, seems to be. Um, all right, so what's on your bucket list of things that you have to accomplish, see, or explore sometime within your lifetime? It could either be trip, it could be maybe something relational, maybe there's somebody out there you still need to forgive. It could be some sort of conquest, maybe a charity, something you still need to prove to yourself. Maybe you want to start a business, start a ministry, drop five pounds, or 
like I did, start a podcast. <laughs> well, some of them aren't exactly bucket list. I'd like to lose 20 pounds. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on that now. That's why I'm going back to the gym. But I don't, I don't really have a bucket list. I've thought about that. Uh, and bucket lists make me anxious. You know, like if I don't do it, what's going to happen? <laughs> So I don't really have one, and uh, I have, I have hopes, you know, that maybe this will happen or that'll happen. Um, and it's like people always ask me, "Do you have any plans this week?" And I'm like, "No, but but I have lots of options, you know." And that's I try to help people whenever they make decisions, make decisions that create more options for yourself, not fewer, you know, because people are real good at that. I know I was. Yep. <laughs> good point. Yeah, I uh, teasingly tell people that for me. The first thing on my bucket list would be to create a bucket list. Right? <laughs> We've never talked about this before. I didn't know you didn't have one either. I don't. Um, I'd like to write a book called Humor, the Sixth Love Language, and then donate the ro royalties to one of my favorite charities. Um, I'd like to spend eternity with all my friends. That's on my bucket list. I'd love to take singing and dancing lessons. And I want to invent the next fad like Pet Rocks. And again, I donate those royalties. <clears throat> So that's my bucket list, unofficial bucket list right there. Is there anybody in life right now that you still need to forgive, that you still cling to a grudge or an old wound, maybe with an old friend that is not healed? No, I mean, I learned early on to let go of that stuff because that hurt me more than it did anything else. Is that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, you know? I mean, that's awesome to be at that stage. I think there are people... Um, and again, this is kind of a glittering generality, but who get to this season of life. And one of the amazing aspects of the healing that's taken place in my life is like when you go through three marriages and divorce, you could really have some bitterness that you cling to and hang to in life, yeah. blaming circumstances for what's happened to you. And I thank God that it's only by the grace of God that I, I don't have any type of animus no bitterness, no grudges. And as a matter of fact, with my current um, ex, it's, we have like an amicable, friendly relationship. She comes in town uh, to see the kids. I'm perfectly comfortable going over there while she's over, over there. So, but I don't think that's the case in everybody's life. And I attribute that really to the fact that I am a Christ follower first and foremost. I'm hesitant about labels because a lot of times when you label yourself something, everybody has different connotations in terms of what a label means. But I think it's hearing the, the, the gospel message that I've heard for the past 16, 17 years has transformed me and it's transformed the way I conduct my relationships. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't mean to make this about me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I was listening. So, um, All right. So as we begin to wind down, I'm going to get some of your final thoughts. What do you want your legacy to be? Or have you thought that far down the road? I, I've thought about it, but I don't, I don't think, I mean, I don't know is the answer to that question. I mean, I think other people will have to determine what my legacy is, mm -hmm. if, if there is one. What sort of advice or encouragement do you have for others in a similar season of life that you're in right now or have experienced some of the same challenges that you face in life? Well, I mean, everyone, everyone is different. So you have to, you can't let people tell you you can or can't do something. 
um, you have to know your own limitations mm -hmm. and inaction is an action in itself you know I mean I thought about going back to school for since I was 30 something and I didn't do it till I was 58 going through cycles of oh I'm too old I'm too old well as this time went on I got older and older and older and I finally ended up doing it you know and it's like okay so I you know it's because some people it's, I, they'll hear this story but you know they're maybe not physically able to or their health isn't good or because it took being reasonably healthy you know alert and being able to get through school because i had real doubts can i do this emotionally am i smart enough yeah. my memory's still there and uh as it turned out it was sufficient um, was it back when you also had the uh contracted the lyme's disease yeah i got that tick bite that yeah. just uh really threw me another curveball i stayed in school through it but yeah. it really i had to i had minimal amount of work that's why it took so long to get through yeah. school so yeah. that was another thing i had to kind of overcome uh, and thankfully, and it took, you know, it stayed with me a long time. Yeah. But I think that was good. It's a good, it shows to perseverance and your commitment that you were eventually able to finish the, the goal and desire that you had to, to complete, get the advanced counseling degree. Yeah. And I think as a single person and not having that relationship to re rely on and yeah. the support of a relationship and the love in a relationship without that, I was on my own. And all I had really was my relationship with God, you know, and something that was there day in and day out for me. And so, and that again, wasn't a weekend event. It's been a lifetime yeah. of building this. So, I'm careful what advice I give people because it's certainly not up to me for them to, you know, I get asked all the time from people, you know, for advice on things from young people, older people, but it's, you have to have something that you want. You know, I wanted to do this and, there, and there, because I made a bunch of bad decisions when I was young, it prevented me from doing that earlier in life. And that was really the lesson I've learned in my lifetime is just how simple and easy it is to get off course without some sort of rails to have to go between. Yeah, amen. And even though I thought I was a Christian, you know, I thought that I was smart, I thought I knew what I was doing. In hindsight, there were so many underlying reasons I did what I did that had nothing to do with making it a good decision. And so I don't know if that was what that was. You know, like I said, I described my childhood. It seemed I was happy. It was a yeah. good childhood. But it what I did wasn't well prepared, as apparently, when I got out in the real world because all of this other stuff happened. And I'm sure it's helped shape my decisions about today and how I view relationships because I value them highly. And um, to, they're, they're, they're what life is about to me. You know, like I, you said earlier, God, you know, we're hardwired for that. Most of us are. So what do you do in the absence of that? Well, you still have to have relationships. So people who isolate themselves, for example, that's not good. But I can't judge them or be critical because maybe they, there's a reason for it, physical or yeah. other. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so to me, relationships is like one of the few things that we can invest in that there's the potential of maintaining for all eternity. 
Yeah. So if we have like some sort of ups and downs in this world and you got to um, love on somebody maybe in a way where it costs you significantly in this life, it's going to be like the blink of an eye before for all of us who call ourselves Christ followers, they get to spend all of eternity together. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's relationships. That's really, it's kind of like the, the, the ultimate that defines to me what a successful life really looks like is a quality of relationships. Yeah. I mean, you and I, like you said, we kind of, as we wrap this up, we've known each other a long time and have talked about being single out in the world. We don't, we're not around each other all that much. A few times a year, we have these conversations and kind of compare notes and yeah. Yeah. have done different things, you know, led different lives. And yet there is, there are some common threads, you know? And so the, the, the one thing that we haven't talked about, the obvious thing is that, you know, being single versus being married. And, you know, we talked a lot about relationships. So being single doesn't mean you don't have relationships. And sometimes they're easy to navigate, sometimes not so easy. Marriage is the same way, you know. Uh, and coupledom today looks very different. You know, relationships are very different today. Um, and it, it, again, it's up to, I found it's the people. A person B creates the relationship, you know. What's that relationship is filled with if it includes faith and God and um, then I think that helps keep, um, some standards. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> final question. What would you like to say to either the person or people that you love the most in life? Like right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... I didn't see that question coming either. I, mean, I don't know how to answer. I, mean, I love you. I don't know. You know. Well, like, it can it, be as simple as that. As I love you, right? Well, it's you know, if they're listening to this someday, and and uh, I'm sure some of them will know who I'm talking about. Others may not, but um, uh, may have learned a little bit more about me today. I don't know because we talked about a lot, yeah. and uh, but um, you know, just. They know me, so I mean, I can't, I can't, maybe this will make sense, maybe not. I hope it does. I hope I, hope I haven't offended anyone. I hope I haven't alarmed. I hope I still have a job when I, you know. I'll muffle your voice. I'll put it through some encoder so it doesn't sound like, how's that sound? You're worried about being identified. All right. Um, Zion, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing your story both me and our listeners today. It's been great. I appreciate you. Love you as a friend. To all of our loyal listeners in Podville, I appreciate each and every one of you. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. And until we meet again, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Real 